emails. No, man, I tell you, that was, um, I don't know about y'all, but that was really powerful for me. I, uh, I was struggling down there, um, sitting there. I, it's great when you're anointed, Robbie, and y'all are so anointed, I started crying. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that, so if you hear me sniffle, it's not because I got a cold or anything, so don't run from me. But just to sense the presence of the Lord. I don't, I don't know why it touched me like that, but man, I just praise the Lord for that. So uh, going to go right into it. We have the Lord's Supper. We're in this Invest series. We're just continuing in, in Romans right now what we want to do and just follow and be obedient to the Lord. So all this stuff is online at summitchurch.com under sermon notes. You can right-click it there, take out your pad, your phones, whatever you got. And uh, you can go to Facebook at Summit Church. All the sermon notes are there. So I just want to uh, look at a couple things today and just invite us into being obedient to the Lord. We got a lot going on. And we got some people today that uh, have graduated and they're really excited. And we're excited for them and, and excited what God's going to do. Then we're excited because uh, it, towards the end, we're going to be commissioning the team that's going to Ethiopia. And they're going back. I was talking to Kevin earlier. I said, how many times is Kevin? Is this your third, fourth one? He said, no, it's my fifth. And I was, you know, it just is amazing to me how God is just continually faithful and how God sends them. And so, I'm, again, I'm just so excited about that, that the whole team is going. That's just more people, more people just experiencing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I can't. I can't be thankful enough for that. But I want to show you today, last week we talked about in Romans, we talked about that God created everybody even though he knew that someone would reject him. And you say, but John, how is that fair? How is it fair that he would create somebody knowing that that person is going to go to hell forever? You, you see, I can relate a little bit to that in a sense that, that if you've had children or if you've been a coach or you've taught in a class or you've tried to do something with maybe people that are younger than you, it, when you deal with that issue, you kind of understand. Because I can, as a parent, as a, as a former coach, as a, those, those things, I've, I knew that people would not be successful, but it would not be right for me to hinder them from the attempt to be successful. And so God in his loving kindness is so good. He says, I'm still, though I know you will reject me, I'm going to give you, I'm going to create you, and, and I knew you before I formed you in the womb, but I'm going to create you, even though you're going to reject me, I, it's going to be your free will, and I'm still going to love you, I'm still going to bless you with breath, I'm still going to bless you with life, and there's going to be some good things that happen to you in this life, but you're going to take them for yourself and reject me, but nonetheless, I'm still going to love you. And so God allows that because he allows us free will. So as we continue in this, and so Israel, what Israel did, is just because, like I said, just because they're born a Jew does not mean that they're born saved. Salvation is not by the bloodline of a man, but by the blood of a Savior. And so what happens is, is he's gonna, we're going to look today at how Israel tried to pursue righteousness through the law. And yet God calls us to pursue righteousness through Jesus by faith in him. And so we're going to look at this passage. I want to just kind of, uh, just kind of break it down and go to it. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then what, saints? Romans chapter 9, verse 30. Listen to the word of the Lord. Paul asks a question now. I want to tell you what this means in Greek. He's asking a question, but he assumes the affirmative answer. Sometimes he assumes the negative answer. 
But the answer is assumed. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith? Let's break it down again. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? He's assuming the answer is yes. The answer is, look at these Gentiles, Israel. They did not pursue righteousness. You are pursuing righteousness this way. But they did not. Gentiles is anybody who's a full-blooded non-Jew. That would be me. Right? And so I'm a Gentile. And all of a sudden God says, you have a righteousness that you didn't pursue. The word pursue means uh, to, to run after or, or, or to to drive away or to run swiftly. That's what it means in the original language. In order to catch the person or the thing. It it means to to press on in such a way you're going after that. And so he's saying when we, we didn't do that as Gentiles. We weren't even doing that. We weren't even looking for the Messiah. The Messiah wasn't even on our radar. It reminds me of Romans chapter 5 verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, right? We were powerless. We weren't pursuing Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. See, Christ came to us. So the point I want to make today is this, is that point number one is we did not pursue righteousness, but righteousness pursued us. Jesus came to us. That's why the people that have graduated are going, uh, the people in lives that God sent to different places, uh, the team that's going to Ethiopia, you, you are going to a people that are not pursuing righteousness, and you're going to be the very righteousness of God to them. You know what I love about that? Oh, let's just bathe in the word. Verse 31. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness, that's Israel, have not obtained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. And then he begins to quote, An Old Testament passage. See, because Paul had memorized the whole Old Testament as a Pharisee. See, I I lay in Zion. Zion is another word for Jerusalem, the high holy hill. I lay in that high holy hill, Jerusalem, Zion, a stone, meaning Jesus, metaphor, that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to what, saints? Shame. See, when when Christ pursues us and we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, there's no more shame. Look, I know every one of us in this room, we sin and we sin boldly. But there was a violent grace, Michael Card used to say, a violent grace that happened over our lives. And so we are, now there's no shame when we come to Jesus. If you come to Jesus and you're feeling like the sin is in front of you, that's a good thing. But it's not a point to keep us away from God because Jesus has taken all the shame. He was the man of sorrows. He was stricken for us. He bore our iniquities and our infirmities. And by his stripes, we're healed. We were powerless, but at the right time, no more shame. With Jesus, there's no more shame. But I want to break it down a little more. Point two, Jesus' righteousness come by faith and not by works, which ought to free us up to really celebrate Jesus today. That's why we invest in others, 
Because our work does not return void. Our work does not go in vain because it is the work of the Spirit. Look at verse, look at verse 31 again. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? In verse 32, because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. Point number two, Jesus' righteousness comes by faith, not by works. And, and don't get caught up in faith. Don't say, well, I, I, then all of a sudden, he who has the most faith wins. If that's the case, the guys that flew into the Twins Towers have more faith than us. Now, you don't believe me, do you? You, you don't believe me. It's not a measure of faith that determines our right standing with God. It's the measure of Jesus' righteousness that determines our right standing with God. God honors a little faith. If you have the faith of a mustard, he honors a little faith. It doesn't take much. He says, come as a child. What does a child know? A child knows, I need you. I need Jesus. That's the extent of it. If we come just like that, we have Jesus' righteousness. Stop measuring faith or God by faith. God doesn't need that. And so we battle in this world. And so the atheists and the agnostics come up with questions and say, well, which faith is right? That's why I don't like the word faith-based. The last time I looked at anything, it wasn't by my faith that I did anything. It was by the work of Jesus. See, you don't, when you read John chapter 5, Jesus said, my father is always at work. He said, in fact, verily, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. John chapter 5, verse 19, look it up. You see, it's the work of God working through Jesus, and we're obedient to just go and proclaim his name. And then we stand in the full armor of God and watch God give the victory. That is what it means to have faith. Faith means that I forsake everything and I look to him with all I got. And all I got ain't much. Sorry for the English. But it ain't much. It's only the breath that he's given me and the awakening by the Holy Spirit and my spirit to look at him, and then I say yes. And then all of a sudden, God does something unbelievable. He gives the perfection of Jesus on my life. And that's why Jesus in Revelation, like I've told you before, he's a lamb looking as if slain. Because always in front of the Father is the very marks of the wounds and the bloodshed of Jesus Christ over our lives. And he sees us as well done, good, and faithful servants. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power. It is not of works. And so man tries to make it in works. And so everything is about works. If you're Islamic, it's scale of justice. It's scale of justice. Do I do enough works? My father's... Um, law building. He went to be the Lord, so he, uh, my brother bought the whole law firm, and they had this big building right across from the courthouse, and then this big jail, and they have this building, and on the side of this big, huge building, my, fa my brother's law firm, are these huge, uh, like, copper scales of justice, these metal, kind of copper look, scale of justice, and that's what it's weighed, the, the amount of evidence, like, I don't want to stand in front of God and say, was I good enough? I mean, 
Am I close to Mother Teresa? You know, what am I like here? Am I close to Kevin Chafin? I mean, we kind of look alike. You know, where am I at? You know, it's not that way. It's not that way with the Lord. Because he's already paid the debt, it is finished. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be, uh, to be sin for us. Jesus became our sin. Oh, but John, I still sin as a believer. Right, because you're not Jesus. Welcome, welcome. You will sin. And anybody who tells you you want, they're in sin. Because it ain't going to happen. Now, I'm not saying you can't go for a while, but you better live in your house and turn off all electricity. You you know what I mean? I mean, it just ain't going to happen. But here's the point. Jesus became our sin. Past, present, and future sins, he bore it all on him on the cross so that you and I could live. Now, that doesn't mean that because I'm right with God, I just get to go do what I want and live however I want and just just do anything and everything. Because Paul said, even in Romans, shall I go in sinning so that grace may abound more? May it never be. So we try to become more Christ-like because of 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, what is it, saints? The righteousness of who? So the team that's going to Ethiopia, you are the very righteousness of God. They do not read the Bible. They don't know the Bible. But the very Jesus you proclaim, they read in you. That's who we are. We're people that say, we sin, but don't. I love people say, well, there's just a bunch of hypocrites in the church. There's just, I'm not going. I am just not going to look at them. Trashy. You know what I mean? That's what they say bunch of hypocrites. It's amazing to me that they judge Jesus. They judge the very message by the messenger. They judge Jesus by the messenger. Now, can I just get personal for a moment? I'm going personal because we're family. I want to be very careful. I'm not making any innuendos towards my family or Lynette's family or anybody in this room, okay? I'm just making a statement. So uh, some of y'all going, where's he going? This is scary. I'm just saying this, that if there's a family, let's make an if, if there's a family, hypothetical, I have a friend. Never mind. Okay. So let's say there's two daughters Rachel and Leah, I don't know. And Rachel looks hot. But Leah, well, Leah has weak eyes, the Bible said. That's a nice way of saying you're ugly. So there's Rachel and Leah. Would, would, a man say no to the beautiful lady because she has an ugly sister? No, you wouldn't. Every man in this place, man up, and you know what I'm talking about. You can sit here and say, um, no, not me. Yes, you. Everyone, every one of us, if the one that we like looks hot, it don't matter. 
It don't matter what type of background. It don't, it don't matter. What I'm trying to say is this, is that it's amazing to me that people judge Jesus by the messenger. Listen, I am a messenger of Jesus, and I am tainted and stained, and I am ugly with sin. But there is one. Listen, I'm not the one proclaiming I died for you. I'm proclaiming the beautiful one who died for you. So stop looking at me. Start looking at Jesus because he's the one who is beautiful and he's the one who is lovely. See, the Jews, I love what Warren Wiersbe said, the Jews tried to be righteous and were rejected. The Gentiles who did not have the privileges of, uh, the Jews had were received. Why? The reason is because the Jews tried to obtain righteousness by works. And the Gentiles receive righteousness by faith in the grace of God. See, the Jews wanted a Messiah who would, who would lead the nation to political freedom out of Rome. But they could not, I love what Warren Wiersbe said, they could not believe in a crucified Christ. And that's what people stumble over. You mean to tell me, John, just that work, that's it? That's all I got to do? And, and that's not, faith is not a, not a work. Faith is the power of the Spirit in us. So they wanted a Messiah who would lead the nation to political freedom and glory. They could not believe in a crucified Christ. This is, and, and the Lord showed me this. This is the same problem today. People, uh, people want to know Jesus on their terms. Uh, right? They wanted to know Jesus on their terms. My term is, you free us from Rome. And so what people come to us today, they want to be freed on their terms. They want Jesus to fix the now, the Lord showed me. They want Jesus to fix the now. Instead of saying, God, I just accept Jesus and I will follow him because he is worthy. No, we want Jesus to fix the now. That's the type of Lord that we want. Or better should I say, that I want. There's something bigger than this life and I want to tell you. That's why Jesus does not always fix the now. There's something bigger than this life and it's called eternal life. And if you measure it, well, you can't. Paul's purpose, Wiersbe said, is to explain Israel's position in the plan of God. But my problem is, I desire more plan, my plan than the plan of God. So I try to make Jesus this way, and anybody that tries to make Jesus this way is not saved. Israel tried to make Jesus this way. They are not saved. They have to come the same way that the Gentiles come. They have to come through the Messiah. There's no other way. So I need to remember that God's plan will not be changed regardless of how I respond. And I addressed that last week with Esau. God created Esau, even though the Bible says he hated Esau, because Esau rejected his birthright. He rejected it, but God's plan still goes on. So then there's a third point I want to make here. Number three, there are two kinds of righteousness. There's a works righteousness which comes from obeying the law and a faith righteousness which is the gift of God to those who trust in Jesus. There's a works righteousness and a faith righteousness. Now, I, I, let me, I know, righteousness means nothing but this. I'll make it as tight as I can. It is very layered and very deep as a word, but I'm gonna try to make it t t tight and succinct. It really means this, that we are right with God. That's what righteousness means, that everything is okay, that we're in good standing. So with that being said, Let's look at the passage uh, in, in chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be what, saints? 
Not saved by their heritage. They're not saved because their mother or father was a Jew. The word Jew means praise. That's why Hitler wanted to wipe them out. It wasn't because history says the economy. It was because he was satanically possessed and wanted to wipe out anybody who praises. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. This is scary. You can be zealous for God but not be known by God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own works righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And I was sitting there studying this and reading this, and and I love what Wiersbe said. The Jews would not submit to faith righteousness. Why? Because of racial and religious pride. It was a racial thing. I'm a Jew, you're not. I'm saved, you're not. It was religious pride. God chose us. We're in good standing because God has chosen us. But then they took their birthright and they twisted it to works. And so God is giving us a birthright through Jesus. And what happens if we're not careful when we become saved and we give our lives to Christ, then all of a sudden we begin to think works because our jobs proclaim works, right? Our, our, our families proclaim works. Uh, uh, how, how we do athletically proclaims works. We live in a world that's work, 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 and you get more, more, more. But with Jesus, it's not a work. You receive and obey. And he does all the work. We're just obedient to speak, to do what he says. We must realize, I love this, we must realize that Jesus is, I'll quote Wisby here, the very one for whom the law had been preparing the way, and that Jesus alone ended on the cross the reign of the law. I love this. The Mosaic law is no longer God's basis for dealing with mankind. He deals with us at the cross. In fact, it was faith. I showed you with Abraham. There was fa- Abraham had faith, and it was accredited to him as righteousness way before there was the Ten Commandments. That was just supposed to live how you live in community. Look at verse 4. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. At the very end of the law stands Jesus. The law shows us our dirt. The law shows us our need for a Savior. But at the very end, there's nothing but Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And for those who receive him and say yes with all they have, the impartation of the Holy Spirit. That is is the end of the law. It's never been a work base, ever, ever, ever. And so those denominations that believe that Jesus is enough to get you saved but not keep you saved, they are very wrong. For those, for those that believe that it's even to get into God's grace, which is all works, can we just start going down the list? I don't want to, I'll call some people, I'll call Mormon out. Work. Everything's work. Work. I don't want to... Trying to be... There are people that, that right now that are, are Christians, not Mormons, I'm not talking about Christians, Christian denominations that say, you are going to lose Jesus. That here's, what, here's what I get jacked up on. If Jesus is enough to save me, then how is he not enough to keep me safe? Well, John, you have to do things. What do I have to do? 
And how much do I have to do? And when do I not know that I've done enough in the do list? Because like I told you before, when you add up a bunch of do's, you get doo-doo. How much is enough? Where does the Word of God say? The Word of God never says that. The Word of God says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. We have the Holy Spirit within us. In us. What is the Holy Spirit going to leave at the moment I sin? Well, the, John, it says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you are sealed. Well, I understand there's a difference between grieving and sealing. I grieve my wife, but she doesn't divorce me. God doesn't divorce us. In fact, there's a... There's a, there's a whole book that deals with a prophet going to, to buy this prostitute. And she runs off and runs off, and God keeps coming back, showing how much I love Judah, how much I love Israel. I just keep coming back because when I'm, God says, when I make a promise, I stick to it when you don't. And that's why Timothy is so powerful. When we are faithless, he is faithful. So it's the righteous. Let's go to verse 5. This is where it gets really good. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith, listen, Moses says, if you're going to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. Jesus put it this way. Those who live by the sword, die by the, die by the, okay, good. All right, verse 6. But the righteousness that is, is by faith says, but the, look, at, look at this. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? What he's saying there is, what work are we going to do to get to God? Ascend to heaven. Are y'all tracking me? Yes or no? Maybe so. When in doubt, look about. God give you eyes, plagiarize. Do what you got to do. All right, so. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. In other words, what do we got to do to get God to move? What do we got to do to be a part of this resurrection? What do we got to do? It's, he's asking these, he's using this. Now watch what he says here. This is really good. This is really good. Are y'all awake? Five people. All right. But what does it say? And then he goes to Deuteronomy. He goes to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I told you Paul had the Old Testament memorized. Quotes Isaiah just a couple verses up. Next thing, he's in Deuteronomy. By the way, Deuteronomy is the most quoted verse a quoted book, especially in the Gospels. He says, then he, then he goes in. But what does it say? This is awesome. The word is what, saints? It is in your what? And in your heart. He's saying it's not a work. It is by faith. And the faith goes in the heart and goes to the mouth. Out, Jesus said, out of the mouth, the heart. Oh, this is really good. Y'all not tracking me. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning what, saints? The message concerning what? Faith. It's a faith righteousness that we proclaim. Uh, keep, your, keep your finger there. Keep your finger there. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Oh, this is so good. So good. Hallelujah. Y'all are not awake. Eat carbs. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11. Check this out. This is so good. Now, everybody there? Say amen when you're there. Oh, there. Okay. All right. Now, here it is. Moses is getting ready. He's getting ready to die. He's seen the promised land. There's only 34 chapters in Deuteronomy. We're in chapter 30. They renewed the Ten Commandments. They renewed the covenant again. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 5, they renewed the covenant. God is all about covenant renewal. This is what we do. This is how we do it. No, uh, this, that's why we do this. Covenant renewal. This is what we're doing today. Okay, here we go, verse 11. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Listen to what Moses is saying. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Paul's quoting that. It, you got it? Oh, oh, no. Okay, let's keep going. Look what else he says, verse 13. Nor is it beyond the sea, talking about depths, talking about the depths, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Verse 14, no, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may what? So when people tell me, John, I, I got to clean my life up before I get to God, you just heard from Satan, not from Jesus. Because the word of salvation is in your heart and it's ready to come out in your mouth. Go back to Romans chapter 10. Oh, glory dance, glory dance. All right, here we go. Not bagel dance. All right, here we go. That was for the youth. All right, here we go. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Remember these passages? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is what? Lord, not friend, not teacher. Lord, he's my king, he's my daddy, he's my savior, and I do what he says. That's, look, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your what? That God raised him from the dead, you might be Faith righteousness. Stop trying to work your way to God. You can't. Be free. You can't work anymore. The work has already been done. That's salvation. Listen, it has, salvation regeneration happens in my heart, and then I speak it. I don't get saved when I speak it because it already happened before I spoke it. Speaking it just tells everybody what happened. I love my wife before I ever said it. Now, it took me a while because I was a chicken. Because I didn't want to be rejected. You know what I'm saying? I would just have to drown myself at Golden Corral, but that's a whole other story. It's right here. It's a faith righteousness. And some of you today, some of you today might say today, Jesus is Lord. Some of you in this room have given your life to the Lord, and you've tried to make it all work. That's why you feel, you feel this conviction when th you do things wrong. And so in order to get back right with God, you, you, try to, you try to do something right. The first thing you ought to do is just fall on your knees and say, man, I'm jacked up. But thank God, Lord, you didn't base my salvation on me. You based it on Jesus. So just go ahead and change me. Thank you for convicting me to change my ways. Because me changing my ways... It's not what's going to save me because the work of Jesus has already done it. It's just going to tell the world a better picture of Jesus. Some of you today, for the first time now, know what it takes to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God has opened up your eyes. Do not grieve the Spirit. You can't clean yourself up. You can't fix yourself up. Just come to Jesus. I love, man, I, I know, look, I'm, I'm glad there's not a lot of people here today because look, it, the size of the congregation is not what gets me fired up. It's the amount that the Holy Spirit is pouring out is what gets me fired up. And he is here. 
Mm -hmm. Man. So here's what happens. Then at verse, then look at this. Verse, verse 11. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone. You can be, listen, you can be broke and you can be rich. You can be young and you can be old. And you can be all this education or no education. In God's economy, that is kingdom, it doesn't matter but Jesus. It's all level at the cross, and God doesn't look at us any differently. He doesn't see what man sees. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And one of my favorite verses, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, saints? Who wants to call? I know there's one or two. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Listen to your heart. So response. God wants you to verbalize that. We're going to finish this up, but I feel like I need to stop and pray. Lord, I believe there's someone in here today that wants to give their life to you. They, are, no, they know right now that they stand in front of you. They know, they know that they have not committed their lives to Jesus as Lord, and they're going to bust hell wide open. But today you have opened their eyes that there's no work that can be done except the work of Jesus. All they have to do is believe what's happening in their heart. And they confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And right now, then, and they do it. Right now, Lord, they say it. That is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. And so before we play, I want to, I want to show you this. Listen, this is what happens. All right, go, go, to, go to 14. How then, can, how then can they call on the one uh, they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Hello, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Not Ethiopia, but that's close. Verse 15. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So Jeremy Pollock. Where's Jeremy? Oh, right there. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, I didn't see you. Um, and, and so... Jeremy, a couple, Jeremy is a strange dude. I'm just going to say it, okay? I love him. I love him preach. Somebody down here preach. I love Jeremy, but Jeremy, there's normal, there's awkward. I'm kidding. Oh, it's all right. I'm kidding. Um, Jeremy likes to read these missionaries who do weird things and suffer strangely, right? So a couple months ago, Jeremy comes over to the office and he goes, uh, John, uh, have you seen this video of the people in Papua New Guinea back in the late 70s, early 80s that gave their life to the Lord? I'm like, no. So he shows me these people and we, we kind of watch it. He says, look at their response to the gospel. So here's this, this white couple. And, and when I tell you white, they're the definition of cracker. If there was a dance, they were doing the Carlton. It was bad. Right? And so they don't mix. I mean, the guy's got socks up to here with three rings. 
okay? Shorts like this, a little tight. And one of those shirts, they're kind of tight, and he's got a mustache that just screams pedophile. But I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not judging the man. I'm not. Just scary, Jerry. But, uh, you know, what happens is he goes, they go there, he and his wife, it's beautiful. God just uses anybody. Look at me, look at me. I'm an idiot, he uses me. Y'all ought to feel good about yourself. And so he, this couple goes over there. And so, yeah, go ahead and play over this. And so, and then we show the video, you can drop it. But, and the, so all of a sudden, they go over there and they, 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 for two months, they begin to tell the story. They say, hey, this is where you live. These villagers is 310. They don't know where they live. And so they just basically, long story, they tell them where they live. This is about the world. These people are, I mean, they're, they're, these are poor people. You're barefoot. They don't have anything. Very poor people live off the land. They catch wild pigs and that's how they eat. And, and, they, and, and so the people don't know anything about God. In fact, they would, they would dress up the men, the leaders of the community would dress up with this triangle hood and, and, and it had like a face to it and they would dance and that was the deceased spirits that would come back and if anybody any woman found out about this where this mask was they would kill her and so one of the people remember their mother uh they take her out they put a rope around and they you know and kill her because because she saw this mask and so they're going through it here's what's incredible about this they turn they go over there and he starts and he starts with the old testament and he begins to tell them about jesus after he goes through the Old Testament, he tells them, you're in sin, this is the sin problem, all this stuff. I mean, just real sweet and loving. And these people, I mean, they can't believe it. They're moping for months. They're going, who is this and why this happened? And I can't believe, who's going to save us? I mean, he's going through every day. And they would meet a couple hours every day. The whole village would sit and listen to this man, and they would act it out. And then they got to the point where they realized that, 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 that Jesus died for the sins. And they took one of the villagers and they put him up on a cross. And uh, the missionary had a balloon and he took water and put food coloring, red food coloring. And they had one of the, one of the villagers take the, you know, the bamboo stick with their little makeshift spear and kind of stick it here. And the balloon popped and all the blood went. And you, you could just see on video, they're devastated. They did a documentary on it. They're devastated. And the people, they had these little cassette tapes. This is late 70s now. Work with me. Work with me. Um, and they would re rewind the cassette tapes and listen to it in their language. And they, they were devastated. Then one day he comes out there and he says, but this is why Jesus died, so that you could live. The village erupts. Well, never mind. Let's show it. Let's just show it. That's what can happen. 
how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Ethiopian team, come on up. Come on, Kevin. Come on up, leaders. Come on. And, 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 the, and the close friends, come on up here with them. Come on. Come on. Up stage. You get to see what I see. Come on. These are your people. These are us going to the northern afar that even the Ethiopians, like Kevin said, would give up on. These are the people going. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. This. And every day we have a chance to go, every day we have a chance to go to our own village called work. Our own village called our family, our own village called where we play, and our own village where we go shop or whatever it is, our own village. They're going. Many of them are going back. So I want to pray over them. Before we take the Lord's Supper, I thought it'd be great to take the Lord's Supper together before y'all go. We might not be there physically but we got your back spiritually. You're the feet. You're the feet. I'd love for that to happen. Will you pray with us? Let's pray. Father, this team is called by God and they are anointed and I dare not say a word against them. But what I do is I come underneath them and I hold this rope that they go down and Lord, I hold it tight because you said a cord of three is not easily broken. So them plus us and you, that's a strong cord. Not because we're strong, because of the one who really holds the rope, Jesus. So Lord, we commission them today in the name of Jesus. We worship you today in the name of Jesus. This group that goes out with their family and their friends, and their supporters up here with them. God, we commission them today that they don't go by might, they don't go by power, but they go by the Spirit. We do pray for their safety, but we pray for salvation. We pray that people are radically changed because the teachers in the school are giving the gospel. They get to see it lived out. They get to show it. They get to demonstrate it. God, give them boldness and courage and favor and success. Only you can give it. To the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless them and enlarge their territory. Let your hand be with them and keep them from harm so that they will be free from pain. May the Lord be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known among the earth, your saving power to all nations. And that is our prayer. We love you. We commission them today, Lord, in the name that is above every name, the name that we get righteousness, the name that turns the world upside down, that changes time, and people stand still, and the dead are raised. In the very name that we live and die and spend all eternity with the very name that we treasure. We call upon you today. The very name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said what? Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all so much. So here's what we're going to do.
for those that just a few prayed to receive Christ today, I want you to come and grab Jeremy. Jeremy, raise your hand, bro. I want you to grab Kevin or Seth. I want you to grab them. They're going to be down front here. I want you to grab them. And I want you to tell them what you did. I believe there's one or two today, listen, that you are under a faith righteousness. Now, we're going to take and renew this covenant. And this is our act of worship today to the Lord. And so God says there's some ways that we take it, and you know what I do all the time. We examine ourselves. So I want to spend time examining. Why? Not because of works, so that no man may boast, but because of the power of Jesus. And I, and I can't wait for the song that you're singing over us. Man. So here's what we do. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Side note, did you like that scripture today? All right. One person. All right, good. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, Eucharist, Eucharisteo in the Greek, giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember, the sinless body of Jesus, that's the bread. When we eat it, it symbolizes that we are sinless. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The reason why it's in his blood is because that's a cup of protection that he didn't drink, but they drank so they could be protected. We are protected by the power of the blood of Jesus. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he's come. The Lord's death, past, till he comes, future, altogether, time stands still in one act. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in un of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. Examine. God, who have I sinned against? God, what, tell me what I've done, what I need to do, what I didn't do that I should have done. All those things that we ask. And, and it's not like we clean ourselves up because we're already clean. We just kind of wash the dirt off in a sense that we recognize there might be some dirt. We go make it right with people we need to make it right. We love those who don't love us. And we confess our sins to the Lord. For those who eat the bread and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we, are more dis excuse me, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Discipline does not mean condemnation. Condemnation for those who are not saved, discipline are for the children. That's us. So I'm going to pray, take a moment, talk to the Lord. I'm going to close this out in prayer. You know how we do it. Ethiopian team, I request you take it together. All the people with you, family and friends, take it together. I want, I want, obviously our youth, Brandon, you got them. Parents, if you want to grab a child, do it. Husband and wife, get together with people. Tree, you get the whole team, your softball team. You get to everybody, do not take it by yourself. Because we're family. I know y'all don't know one another, but don't worry, we're all strange. It'll work out. 
I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus, let's be honest, we wouldn't even talk to each other. <laughs> that was towards me. I'm okay. So let's just spend time in the Lord. I love you. And I love my family in Jesus. Father, we just want to confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. So this bread that we take is a sinless body of Jesus that we get the benefit of becoming sinless. We don't deserve it. We can't keep it. We, don't, we didn't earn it. We just give you praise. We're humbled by it. And the cup that we drink, the very cup that represents the blood of Jesus, Lord, we're honored that we, that the blood of Jesus washes away all our sins and that keeps this blood is sealed. It's the sacrifice, the final sacrifice. That's why there's no more sacrifices that can be made. That's why we're living sacrifices because Jesus became the death sacrifice that was resurrected. And so, Lord, today we take this, but we want to take it the right way. For those that we've sinned against and sinning against you, we ask for forgiveness. Bring to mind those we need to make it right with. For those, Lord, for the things we said that we shouldn't have said and the pain that we cause others, we ask for forgiveness. The things that we should have done that we didn't do because we were too afraid or we didn't have enough faith or whatever else, God, we ask for forgiveness. Thank you for making those real to us, that we recognize those. Give us the strength and power and faith of Jesus to move forward and to, to, to rectify those situations and to answer the call. And then, Lord, I want to pray for us that need to become right with one another, that we would do that. This is the meal that heals, as Perry says. I want that to have Perry Stone, and I want that to be in our lives. Lord, we love you. We trust you. I just want to step back, Lord, and let us pray to you.